0: No, 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 she's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737 WWTN. That's 737 9986. So here's your host, financial counselor,
1: and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday and the doctor is in the house It's a wonderful Saturday out here just got back from a few days of doing tax seminars um, and I have a lot of interesting things to share with you for many of this is going to be for my small business owners. But uh, some of it will apply to actually individuals, energy credits, the things that are available out there that maybe you didn't know about. Uh, We had two wonderful speakers. One's a local girl here that works at Belmont, a professor over at Belmont, Marilyn Young, uh, PhD, EA, CPA. She has it all. Um, And and one of the best uh, speakers that I've seen in a long time. I've seen her before. I enjoy having her at our seminars, Uh, but she is a uh, wonder. And a few of the things she brought up Just to get you guys on track, because many of you have already filed your 2022, some not. I'm I'm here working on on individuals that are still working on 2022 taxes, but many of you are working towards 2023. And one of the new tax things, we did get a couple extra energy credits, and a couple of them are odd ones. At least I found it odd. One of the most uh, unusual ones that came out that I heard of was that if you wanted to have a, a certified company come into your home and evaluate your energy efficiency that you can get a $150 credit against that bill. Now, I don't know what the, the maximum for something like that is, but the IRS will give you up to $150 on your tax return as a credit for doing this evaluation. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, off the unusual, because I've always, many of you guys know that if you do Windows in some cases, if you are a contractor in 2023, they do have some contractor credits $2,500 2500 for kind of semi-green and then like 5000 for being over-the-top green building. Um, and again, there's definitions in there. But if you're in the industry of building homes, you might want to look and see if any of these credits apply. These are new credits that are going to be out there for you and I in the year of 2023 through 3033 uh, is the expectation. Probably one of the more important conversations that I had with many of the people that attended that also do exactly what I do. Some, I should say exactly, some do um, only offering compromise or IRS negotiating. Many of us do taxes as well as that. Um, And we're all being bombarded. And I'm sure many of you are. I know I even talked to my sister the other day and she said she was getting phone calls and she's never been self-employed. Um, about the ERTC up to $26,000 per an employer for their tax number comes from a maximum credit of 2,100 per employee in 2020 and 5,000 in addition for employees in 2021. Okay, so what people aren't telling you is that right now, um, some of the changes, the Consolidated Appropriation Acts changed this, that even businesses that got PPP can qualify. But the ERTC is um, basically extended through third quarter of 2021. For most businesses, that was the end, right? So no further than third quarter 2021. Um, And so if you um, closed your business, keep in mind now i i am going to say this i don't know if this is the direct rule or law but if you closed your business in 2021 you would only qualify for 2020 and there would be a possibility of decline and some of the rules in 2020 was you didn't qual if you took ppp you didn't qualify for it so there are a lot and i'm going to tell you my firm does not handle ERTCs. I think there are specialty companies out there, but more importantly, there is a huge, according to the IRS, there is a huge scam going on out there where people are getting ERTC money put through the IRS. You're getting a check thinking that you've done everything correct. And then the IRS is sending back notices and they're starting to do this for the people that got the early ERTCs that you weren't qualified for any of it. So guess what? The company that you went through that might be a scam that said, oh, you qualify for all of this. Now you're going to have to pay back not only the money that you received, but all of the money the IRS sent you. In some cases, 15, 20 percent paid to the company that, re- that got the money in the first place. So let's not play around and say, oh, wait. I'm just going to go after it. If I can get it, it's free money. It's not free. You have to pay tax on it. You have to go back to the tax year in which. So, if, if you're getting ERTC for 2020 and you get it for 2021 quarters, you will be amending 2020 and 2021. I don't care what anyone else is telling you out there. There seems to be a lot of false information. The truth of this is, according to the IRS, is that the year that it affected, you have to go back and you have to file that. Against that year, there are some penalty waivers that are available out there. Possibly doesn't mean everyone's going to qualify, but theoretically, you could pay penalty interest and taxes on the money in the year it happened. So keep in mind, if you are a pass-through company like a LLC or a sub S corporation or a C, a Schedule C. Then you're amending not only the business return but your personal tax return in most cases the the taxes usually falls onto the personal tax return anyways very very important information don't just get on the phone give a person a bunch of your information they go out get a bunch of this stuff there is you know up to three years of of getting you these tax credits and then they disappeared. They're not here to recommend you or to do anything. And you are now stuck having to pay back money that you didn't even get all of. So again, if you want to join the show, maybe you have a story or a situation that something similar has happened this weekend, again, uh, Thursday and Friday at the seminar, we heard lots of stories about different situations that have been happening with the IRS. Good, bad, um, you know, obviously in, in many cases, Bad, But if you have a situation where you're dealing either with the IRS or maybe you're dealing with this Employee Retention Tax Credit, ERTC, give us a call in the station, 615-737-9986, 615 737 9986 is my number here in the studio and we can talk about that or if you've got something where you've maybe you haven't filed taxes for a number of years i will tell you now is the time to get that because they are going to be making they did get some funding in the last bill that just got passed so the irs will be getting some money towards collection most of it's going to be going towards advancement but those advancements is also on how they're going to collect better so um you know if you have not filed and you're really wanting to get your taxes in line you're really wanting to get straightened out with the irs well guess what now's the perfect time now when tax season is not here and we've got the ability and these kind of things don't happen quickly. I, I always try to tell people because so often people will come in and they're like, well, I, I need to get this done.'m I'm, g- I'm gonna go buy a house or I I want uh, want to get married um, and you have all these tax issues. You best plan. that's gonna take you 12 months, maybe even 18 months uh, before you will have true resolution, uh, be that through either an offer and compromise payment plan, combination thereof, a partial payment plan um or even bankruptcy these are all options out there for you but you really do need to understand what you have. And that's one of the things that my firm does versus so many of ones you hear them on the radio. The first thing you do is you call those companies. And I know they put a lot of money into marketing and most of us smaller companies do not. But the fact is you're going to meet me. You're going to be dealing with me. You're not going to be dealing with someone that buys the lead from the company that, that advertises on the radio. They're not going to ask for our company. It's not going to come out and say, well, we need $5,000 and then $500 a month that's not going to happen unless we have some serious resolution and problems that we are solving. If we're on the right track and we're moving, then you'll know exactly what it's going to cost and how you're going to pay. Again, we're going to be partners in this for at least 12 months, if you're doing any kind of serious resolution. So you have the ability to get your life back in order and we want to stay with you because it, you know, once we get that resolution, guess what? You have to stay current for five years. So do I want you to fall off the wagon once I get you back in there? No, I want to keep you going the right direction. I want to make sure that you're moving in that right direction so that we don't ever have to deal with the IRS again, that we're actually filing and paying and dealing with whatever tax issue comes up on a normal basis than having to go back five, six, seven, eight years. Um, Because uh, in, in most cases, we only have to go back six years. That is what the tax law says. But... That being said, if there has been any kind of uh, the government filing tax returns on your behalf, statutory statutory tax returns, sorry, um, or if you have had some other tax issue that's come up, even though it's outside those six years, we need to deal with all of it. You don't want to be waiting. There are time clocks, but keep in mind, some of the things that people do to try to avoid paying tax also delays the time clock. So, I mean, I have people that may be filing something just now for something in 2020, 2007 because they filed it eight years late and now they're, you know, they haven't hit the 10 year clock. And so it doesn't mean that you are going to just be able to 10 cents on the dollar. I don't like people to, I mean, I know they always advertise, Oh, I saved somebody. And everybody, I know, everybody that was at our thing could tell somebody about how they saved someone. They owed a hundred thousand dollars and they only had to pay 15,000 or 5,000 or $25 But that's not the normal everyday situation. If you have assets, if you have a good job, if you're working and trying to just keep your head above ground, you're going to have to make some adjustments. And most of the time, it's individuals like myself, which are self-employed, that run into um, issues with the IRS. Not always. I mean, sometimes people take money out of retirement accounts or they uh, get divorced. And uh, those kind of things can lead to tax resolution issues. But the most important thing is we can fix it. I mean, we can help you get out of that so you can start moving forward and build a future without having the IRS necessarily dragging you uh, ball and chain behind. So um, if you need questions on that, you can keep listening. You'll get my phone number. Uh, But what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the tax things that are coming up in 2023, how you might be able to start preparing, because if you have... I have a situation or story to share with you when we get back about how somebody inherited a house full of furniture and clothing, and maybe how he could have saved himself because it was almost $40,000 worth of charitable donations that got disallowed by the IRS, and how that could have maybe been stopped. Had we been able to do it from the front instead of trying to play catch up on the backside? So, we're going to get ready to take a quick break on our first break. You can join the show at 615 737 9986. 615 737 9986. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. we are back here live in studio you can join us if you want at 615-737-9986 615-737-9986 taking your calls talking about taxes and other issues so if you happen to inherit a house full of maybe your mother's or your grandparents or or somebody's uh Furniture and clothing and the best thing to do or many times the easiest thing to do is to have someone like Goodwill come by and pick up before you do that especially if you, if you do a quick walkthrough and you're like, Oh my gosh, there are hundreds of items. Um, they are all over the place, you know, and, and they're in good shape there. I mean, it's not like you're, you know, we're not talking old rundown. We're talking very nice or, or, or really good, um, furniture and, and clothing. So what you have to do according to the IRS is you have to get an appraisal by a licensed appraiser to come in and do the, um, the charitable or the outline. So that way, when, cause the gentleman I represented um, did everything as far as I was concerned, correct. He went to the Goodwill, he went online, he took pictures of everything he documented every item, but because it exceeded plus the $5,000, he had to have an appraisal. So I was told that this one, and I'm not, um, I'm going to put this as a caveat, but the fact is if you have furniture, that you can show was worth $5,000. And then you had clothing that was worth $5,000. Those were completely different types of categories. You may be able to do something slightly different, but it's all about the proper documentation, especially if you're over an estate. I mean, unfortunately it happens. And when something like that does happen, your best bet is if you're going to be trying to write off the charitable deductions that you have, One of two things, sometimes one person suggested having one of those organizations that come in and does the whole auctions. Another person said they wouldn't touch it unless there was antiques. I don't know. That's not my expertise, but I will tell you that I'm sure you could have somebody come in and give you a basic appraisal in writing that has um, something that you can use that would then be able to justify your tax deduction versus just doing what you, you know, most of those think, okay, I went online, used the Goodwill. I said, I had 20 sweaters. I had 50 of these. I had 10 pair of shoes, took pictures of all of those things. So that way you knew that they weren't just being made up. The IRS says, no, 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 it has to be a full appraisal. So anytime you're dealing with something like that, where you might have a larger number than normal of anything that you you may have inherited or had a situation with again let me reiterate your best bet is to hire a company that is licensed that can come in and give you an appraisal i know you're saying it's going to cost me you know i don't know five hundred dollars but you're going to get a larger tax deduction if you have the proper documentation. If you don't, you end up getting yourself in trouble with some of the things that come along with the IRS and the in the situation that goes with that. So again, just you know, if you if you have that now, same thing goes with land or property or anything else. You know, if you have a situation where you have uh, inherited a piece of land or you've inherited a home. You, you need an appraisal or you need um, somebody that can at least give you proper comps at the time of passing that will give you the availability in, in, in the proper way, the easiest way to protect yourself is to get an appraisal. No question. That would be the number one way to, to make sure. So that way, when you file your taxes and you sell this property for $500,000 and it appraised for 450, you're only paying tax on 50. If the IRS comes back and audits, will you be able to justify that if the uh, situation changes and, and you don't have any documents? Because then the IRS can come back and say zero. There was a story that uh, Marilyn Young shared and I thought it was interesting because the court cases that she had represented, both of them were attorneys, which obviously they can take Things the tax court a little differently than you and I. We may second guess ourselves. One attorney basically went into tax court and he had uh sold some uh, uh art and he was you know on the side. He loved to buy and sell art and just collect it. And so he gave to a charity. And we all know that if I buy something for a hundred dollars, but its value is $1000. If I give it to charity, I get to write off the $1000, the value of that object, not so much what I paid for it. So obviously this is a big area in which the IRS wants to audit. And so they came back and said, "Well, what's the value?" He said it was 450. They said it was 250, but because he took it to tax court, they gave him 0 because he lost in tax court because he didn't have a proper appraisal. So anything over $5,000 guys, you really do want to make sure you have an appraisal to justify anything that you're doing, uh, on those kind of situations. But, um, you know, it's better. And and sometimes I know it's not always easy. And sometimes situations aren't always as simple as just saying, Oh, go out and get appraisal. Uh, but you know, you have to, uh, take and and deal with some of those situations and it looks like we might actually have a caller coming in uh tony from nashville hey tony there you are hey tony
0: yes hi
1: hey what can i do for you bud
0: uh yes ma'am i i keep hearing about you mentioning about having an appraiser uh, done for the donation items and um, you know, I I know appraisal that does house, I you know, when you buy a house uh, to do appraisal. But I don't know about some company that would do the appraisal for the donation item. Do you know any few companies that you can uh, give some names for? Not just for me, for the audience, because right. sometimes no, a, you just it's have to great find question. the reliable. Yeah
1: it it is and everything and i'm not going to dish there is ones that come back up under um you know i mean obviously i'm i'm googling probably like anyone else does on that but there are some but they're basically considered estate appraisals so they basically okay. look at it um from what i'm seeing here on on them they're looking at people that have inventory or assets you know and again would that really work for um you know, jewelry firms, silver paints, paintings, you know, I get it. You know, if they're antiques, I'm sure we can find good appraisals. Um, and I guess if anyone is listening um, that actually knows somebody that does appraisals like this, this is great. Tony, that's a great question. Um, in in our area, in the Nashville area, to, to actually call or give us some information on it because, um, if the IRS is asking us to have values in any of excess of $3,000 uh, and then, you know, moving from there, then we need to be able to at least lead people in the right direction. Because everything I'm reading about on here are more um, the people that are offering the appraisals are truly more looking for the household antiques, not, yeah. not someone's T-shirts and shoes, you know, which is what the IRS is coming back to my client saying, wait you know, there was, you had 40 pair of shoes and he took pictures of all 40 pair of shoes. And he said they were valued at $5 based on goodwill, but because all clothing and everything got lumped together and it exceeded past that $5,000 mark, they won an appraisal. But that's a great question to ask. And I'm going to see if I can get us a better answer than I'm giving you right now, Tony, but thank you. I will see what I can yeah. do about finding us some people that we might be able to use for those circumstances. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. All right, let's see if Mike in Portland can help us out a little bit, or maybe he's taking us in a different direction. Hey, Mike, what do you got going?
0: So, with the um, Trump tax situation we have now, you could buy a piece of equipment and just write it off. You know, almost.
1: Yep, one sec- section on one seventy nine. The- yes.
0: And and so you have that equipment, and then you get another one next year. You get another one next year. You get another one. Eventually, you got to start selling them when they're like three, four. And that's when the
1: problem becomes.
0: (laughs) Then what do you do with that?
1: Because what happens is, if if let's just say I have a thirty five hundred RAM, right? And so when I purchased it because it was a vehicle I could depreciate. I took a section 179 and I took it all off in the first year. And so I wrote off those expenses and now let's say I want to sell it five years later. And you know, let's say it's worth less. Let's say I paid 50 and it's worth 25. I'm going to pay tax on that 25,000 because I've already taken all 50 off of my taxes. So when I Uh sell that vehicle I'm going to have to pay tax on whatever I sell it for. So that's the same way with anybody with uh, construction equipment or, or trucks, you know, obviously. Uh, So whenever you sell one, you kind of want to go. And that's why I always tell people it works great in the first year. So, so you go and buy yourself a a nice big, over 6,000 pound vehicle and you're in the construction industry. Good reason to have a truck and you go use it. And then a year later you upgrade it but now you're not going to get the full value, right? Because you have to, you got to trade in for 30 grand and maybe you paid 50. So maybe now it's 20,000. Eventually you're going to to probably not have a need for the big truck and you're going to end up recapturing, is what we call it, recapturing that depreciation in pieces. So you are correct. A lot of people never think about the backside. All they're looking at is that instant gratification. Oh, I get to go buy a dozer. I went and brought this. But when you're no longer using that piece of equipment and there is, well, especially right now with trucks and stuff, the value is actually fairly decent, then you're going to actually have to pay tax on the recapture if, and only people that can do this just for Mike and my purpose um, is business owners. Individuals cannot write off uh, a vehicle for, for personal use. Yeah. Like a C Corp. Yep. C Corp can do it. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and okay. I, I want to put out there a lot of times, especially come November and December, I'll get all these people saying, Hey, I'm going to run out and buy myself this or that, or I'm going to go buy myself an F-250 or something. And the person basically has, the person is an accountant. What does the person in the county need an F-250 for? Um, and, and if it's your only vehicle, again, if you're running it through your corporation, Mike, you are outside this conversation, but there are people that try to do it with their own vehicle. And that's a problem as well, because if you don't have a second car, then you can't do a section 179 because it's not 100% business use. So again, if you're running a C-Corp and you're in the construction or something, and you've got a couple different, um, a lot of plumbers and electricians, you know, um, have number of trucks, then then at that point, the only way you don't usually have to pay the recapture in most cases is if it gets totaled. Not okay. something I want you Thank to have you. happen, but I'm just saying.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you. All right, we got Mark in the burrow. I guess we'll grab him real quick, and then we'll take our break. Hey, Mark, what's happening?
0: Hey, how are you?
1: I am good, sir.
0: Uh, I've got a quick question. I've got a great aunt that turned a hundred in February, and we are trying to sell her uh, sell her house before she passes. Uh, The power of attorney uh, is active as long as she's alive. And we're trying to keep the house from falling into probate if if, uh, we sell the house after she passes. But the house appraised at 270, Mm -hmm. uh, the way it sits, we've got an upstairs that is not counted as living space because of the ceiling height. But the house would have appraised if the ceiling height was over 7 feet at 320 but they appraised the downstairs at 270. So we were asking uh, about 285 because the upstairs is finished out and it's worth something. But Mm -hmm. if we were to just buy the house, would we pay taxes on the appraisal if we sold it later for 285?
1: So if you purchased the house, I mean, if you sold, are you thinking about buying it from your great aunt? yeah or is this a okay so if you buy the house from your great aunt you'd have to make sure because it's a a family connection, you'd have to make sure that you're paying the fair market value, okay, so two seventy five is the fair market value theoretically cuz that's what it appraises for. And I might suggest having more than one appraisal just because it is a family exchange, right? You don't want to just take the sure. the lowest, but uh if it's possible, pull out the the best of the best and average it. Then when you you know, so you buy it for 285, she's not going to likely have any taxes cuz she gets the 250 exclusion. So assuming she's single, um so she had to pay something for the house or inherit it from her husband at some point in the thing so she would actually be able to have tax free money and then you would buy the house for the value it is and then if you sold it you would you know pay tax only on the gain above the 275 or 85 you paid does that make sense so on the
0: capital gains
1: only on the capital gains above it yes
0: okay would the year of the house uh, have any effect on that the house was built in 1925 and she pretty much wrote a check for it back then. I think she paid uh forty-five or $48,000 for it.
1: Right. Which, I mean, again, she's only, I mean, if you're paying two eighty-five and she gets two fifty, there's only $35,000 difference, you know, that she would have a potential capital gain. She had to pay something for it, even if it was only four or $5,000 in those days. Um, and she, most likely, is there central heating and air conditioning? Is there any, I mean, at some point, someone had to come in there and upgrade it, if there's any heating, air conditioning, or anything like that somebody put some money in the house at some point
0: correct yeah and it it needs some update it hadn't been updated since about 1980
1: right so all i'm saying is as long as her investment in the house is 35 and she gets 250 you could she could sell for 285 and pay zero tax on her side then then you know then you would treat it like any investment property or whatever you wanted to do on your side okay all right okay very good
0: well hey i appreciate you taking my call
1: no problem thanks bud all right we're gonna take a quick break when we get back we'll get some more of your phone calls 615 737 737 9986 all righty we are back here live in studio it's a wonderful saturday and hopefully you guys uh i want to wish all you fathers happy Father's day tomorrow i know many of you are going to have a wonderful day hopefully the the rain and the weather will hold off and we'll get to enjoy a little time uh with your kids or or at least maybe a zoom call who knows nowadays with the technology and so if you want uh but meanwhile let's talk a little bit about if you inherit property now the gentleman called actually had a unique approach because He was going to go ahead and kind of buy the property out of the estate. Uh, And there's nothing as far as from the accounting standpoint, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I make sure that if uh, I would probably consult with an attorney just to make sure that you have all the documents in line so that if there's more than one person that could inherit, they could claim that you didn't pay the right amount or something like that. And that can become a a sticky situation. So just make sure that you actually have everything uh, in line so that they don't think that somehow you're getting away with something. Uh, But it would certainly probably help uh, your great aunt to uh, sell that house and have it out of the way um, for that situation. I will say if, if she, when she passes away, whatever the house, uh, appraises for at the time of her death would be tax-free money to all of you, uh, but it would have to go through probate, which might be something that might not be worth, uh, again, not an attorney. So I don't understand exactly how all that works. And I do know in the last year or two, there has been some changes in probate as far as what used to be a small probate, which is what this would have been. Um, Now they don't really have that. And so they have changed that to being more like everybody has to go through um, some sort of probate situation. All right. So if you inherit a property or if you are um, a custodial, another thing, qualified charitable deduction. still don't hear a lot about it. Even though I think if you have an older parent, anyone that is 70 and above taking qualified charitable, um, you can qualify for qualified if they have RMD. Now, Again, I know a lot of you are sitting there going, wait, I don't have to take required minimum distributions till I'm 73, but the tax law never changed the 74 qualified chairs. So if you want, let's say every year your, uh, your parents give money or you give money to your church and you are 70 or older, And even if you're not required to do RMDs or requirement on distributions from your 401k or your IRA, you can make a qualified charitable deduction, actually up to like $100,000. But I mean, let's say you give two or 3,000. This is a dollar for dollar deduction. Right now you give to charity because you're an awesome person and you want to still give to the charities that you believe in. But no one says that you can't win twice, give to the charity and pay zero tax on that money especially if you have money in a in a 401k or an IRA anyways right now if you take that money out you put it in your bank you have to pay tax then you go and give the money to the charity well if you're 70 and older and you do have the ability to take RMD then you could take the money directly from the IRA or 401k send it they'll write the check and send it to you but basically directly to the nonprofit then you don't have to pay tax on it. Now we will still report it on your tax return. We will still report it as a charitable deduction, but it's a qualified charitable deduction, which means that you now give your three or four thousand dollars. You don't have to worry about itemizing, you don't have to worry about it being part of that standard deduction and you get to give it over. So, I mean, in some cases, I have some clients that have me calculate every year, how much money did they save? And I then tell them, okay, you saved, you know, 200, $300, whatever it is. And then they say, okay, we're gonna give that much next year to the charity. They're using it as a way of giving more to the people in the organizations. You don't have to do that. But my point is if you're helping parents or if you are a person that is 70 and older and no one's talked to you about qualified charitable deduction, you need to go talk to your custodial uh, custodian over your IRA or 401k um, because they're the ones that know or, or have that. And they, if they say, well, you don't have to do require minimum distributions, you can tell them that's correct, but I can do a RMD for charitable deduction Um, because I am 70 and older, 70 and a half and older. Um, So talk to them, make sure that's a good, I'm not a financial planner, guys. I'm not going to tell you it's a good thing. But if you're taking the money from your checking account and giving it to the nonprofit, then it's much better. It seemed like if you're taking it directly from your 401k and giving it to the nonprofit, why not just skip the whole tax situation and give it makes perfect sense to me so if you have no idea what i'm talking about and you have access to the internet you can certainly look up qualified charitable deductions better yet talk to your tax person and or um, your financial planner, because they will definitely know about it. They, I mean, if you have a financial planner, I'm assuming many of them have probably already talked to you about this. But again, 70 and a half was the law before. That's when you actually can start doing your RMDs theoretically for qualified charity. You do not have to take your qualified or your um qual- uh, your RMD. Sorry, got my QCD and my RMD. Too many letters going here, guys. Um, taking your required minimum distribution until you're 73 now. But if we can save money, put more money in your pocket, or give more money to the charities, why not do it? It doesn't seem like that should be a very difficult uh, decision. But I do want you to double check that with your financial advisor as well as your custodial over your um, retirement account. If you have a Roth, that's not, this is more for traditional IRAs. Um, and traditional, um, 401k situation, SEPs all those that have tax money growing in them. This is a way to get the money out without paying taxes. And why not? Just seems like a smart way. All right, guys, we're going to be getting ready to take our last break before the end of the show. So if you've been holding your breath, you're like, oh my gosh, I really have a question for Dr. Friday. I just don't know if I want to call. Well, now's the time to call. 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. 9986 is the number, and we will take your call, talk about taxes. Or if you've got a parent that maybe has a question about um, their situation, or maybe your inheritance that's usually a big one, or maybe you know someone that hasn't filed taxes in a number of years and you just have a question of, like they don't even know where their first document is. Guess what? I can help you with that, I can help you recreate. The last number of years that we need to recreate to get back on track. That is something we're really, really good at. But again, right now we're going to get ready to take a quick break here, get back. We'll talk more about some of the different advantages to different tax breaks that might be available. Also, um, give you some information on how you can get an appointment with us at our office uh, as an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation. That's really all I do, guys. It's really a very small window of information that i'm going to offer you but if you want to join the show 615-737-9986 615-737-9986 this is the doctor friday show and we'll be right back we are back here live in studio for the next so say 10 minutes so if you've got a call you'd like to make you can 615-737-9986 615-737-9986 taking your calls talking about my favorite subjects mostly taxes and money, obviously, Uh, but how that affects us and how we can keep more of it in our pocket is really the purpose and how to make sure that when we do make decisions or do things that we're actually protecting ourselves. So I just wanna make sure that when you're making decisions for yourself or for an estate, or if you're an executor or executrix uh, of an estate, that you do wanna make sure that you're documenting and making sure all that information is coming through properly and that you don't end up with um, having to, uh, deal with other issues. Unfortunately we've seen, so she, um, I hate to say it, but if you don't, all my best, let me put it this way, my best advice. And again, not an estate planner, not a financial planner, not an attorney, But if you have a choice, people plan everything you can to the best of your ability, leave your wishes, in my opinion, in a trust, because then you don't really have to go through probate. You do the poor over will does get probated, but basically it just says everything in the trust will be distributed. So there's really no distribution or information, uh, in a, uh, in a trust that has to be disclosed, which is one of the things I like about a trust. But more importantly, you know, it's, it's easier for the people that are left behind. Because when you have someone left behind, it just seems like money can make things very uncomfortable for a large number of people. So, so often when something happens, there's always someone that feels they didn't quite get as much as the other person, or they don't feel like they are being treated the same as someone else. Um, And uh, uh, I mean, the advantage of coming from the size family that I always talk about, you guys know I have a very big family, was the fact is, let's be honest, our parents took care of us great when they were living, but when they passed away, we didn't have to worry about having hundreds of thousands of dollars being split between Eight children, siblings, grandchildren, great grandchildren, it would have been a nightmare. So maybe not having quite so much is a good thing. But if you do, if you're blessed enough to have a good um, distribution at your time of your passing, make sure that's documented well. Make sure your wishes. And the only way that really happens, in my opinion, is through a trust. Again, not an attorney not telling people to go out there and get trust i am just saying that make sure that whatever you have make sure that it's set up well because we've had too many come in this last week or two where there's been um just situations that could have been controlled better had the person that passed away actually really known what was going to come and we never do right i mean it's not like we have a book that says oh yeah this is what's going to happen on this day that would be so awesome in some ways all right so if you have tax issues. If you know someone and if you're thinking about getting married, um, one of the first things, we have a couple cases and we've had a couple in the past. First thing before you decide to get married, and I'm always shocked when it comes to this, but you know what? You should really have a conversation. What's your finances like? Do you owe a bunch of money on credit cards? Oh yeah. Have you filed your taxes or do you owe the IRS? Because even though you marry someone that owes the IRS. It's not like the IRS can come against you. You didn't owe it when you, before you married them. But guess what? They can take the money you bring into that house and say, well, you know what? now you're 50-50 on all utilities. Even if the person you married is paying all the bills and you get to use your money the way you want, the IRS doesn't care about that. Your money becomes part of the household deduction. Therefore, you are in essence going to help pay for those IRS tax debts. So if there is any section of the the conversation before you decide to just go and get married or if you're planning your future, having those financial conversations, guys, it's so important. And I'll be shocked, seriously shocked how many times people come in and they find out, you know, years later that they married someone that had not filed taxes for a number of years and boom, guess what? Surprise. The uncle Sam has finally decided to come back and have a conversation. And now of course they own a house together. They're married. I mean, it's, it'd be so much easier, so much cleaner to be able to resolve any of those issues before you decided to get married. Because now we would have only that person's income, only that person's situation, and we wouldn't have to worry about the person that you are marrying and bringing in. You know, same thing if you're dealing with credit card debt or anything else. So that's one of my, my, big advice for individuals out there is to make sure you have that conversation. And just because, you know, it doesn't seem like they could be, I mean, there's no certain type of person that gets in trouble with the IRS, okay? It's not like, well, only, you know, bad people or self-employed people or anything there is every walk of life every type of person has irs issues um and so it's not so much a type of person or a situation that happens i will say i guess sometimes it is a situation sometimes life happens and it becomes hard to pay the irs and since the irs isn't at your door every single day with their handout like your landlord and your utilities and your car payments that it, it's easy to kind of let that one slide and you always had the best intention to try to go back at it. But now, before we start getting too much information from the IRS, too much um, additional, um, they're really working on electronic ways of doing things. And that's going to be able to speed up some of the communications and some of the things that they do. So best thing you could do, go ahead, sit down. Let's have this conversation. Let's find out what the IRS knows. Let's find out if there's even a tax issue. Two cases last week two in just the last week both of them had filed in years figured they had big irs issues they've been moving around 2 didn't know each other just two completely different situations and we get the power of attorney we pull the power of attorney no problems no issues irs has done no assessments they don't have any in fact the one gentleman ended up losing some money for a refund that was in 20 Uh, 19 i believe and then he ended up getting his 2022 but that was it i mean the other gentleman is gonna probably because he hasn't filed in six years we might have a few dollars due but we only have to do the six years and and that will make it up that will be all they have to deal with and there won't be any huge collections there's not going to be any huge drama it's going to be okay you know what We are compliant. We don't have to worry about the IRS coming back about a 2012 stock sale that never got filed, possibly. We don't need to open that. The IRS has said, just get your act together. You know, let's let's find out what we have and do what we need to do. That's what we want to do, guys. We want to take the time, go through all of your information. Let's say you did have a 2012 issue that you didn't file it on or you filed on it, but um you know it's been out there and you did it late well you know that's why they have what's called an offer and compromise an offer and compromise a lot of people hear the fresh start um I'll be honest I will be honest with you will you uh, will you qualify or not i don't know but there are many ways for us to find out the easiest way people is to either get you to complete a 433 or to contact us so that we can actually go through all that information. See if you apply, if you have equity in a home, do you have a 401k? Do you own five cause? Do you have collectibles? There's many things we have to address, uh, before something comes down the line. So when it, you know, when it comes into these situations, your best bet is not to pretend that you're the ostrich with your head in the sand. If you're getting the love letters from the IRS. Some of them may be that you're a non-collectible and maybe you should just stay in non-collectible. Maybe you've got a collection agency that's calling you now because the IRS has hired collection agencies to contact you. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's the kind of things we can help you with. We can help you understand what you have going now, how that we can resolve the issue, and then what's the way to move forward? Because let's be honest. You can't move backwards. You can't change the past. It is what it is. It happened. Let's clean it up. Let's move on. And then that way you can move forward, building a better future and not worry about liens or levies or seizures or any other nasty word that we can come up with. Um, All right. So if you're interested in doing that, getting with me, 615 367 0819 is my direct number. 615 367 0819 again is my direct number. You can also go to Friday at DRfriday.com. Again, Friday at DRfriday.com is my email. And of course, if you have no idea who I am, what you know, who's this? person I just turned on the radio and she's talking about offering compromises and she's talking about IRS issues and taxes and you know I just need to get a good tax person then you need to check out the web drfriday.com again drfriday.com I am a licensed enrolled agent which is the only person that the IRS is ever licensed to be able to do taxes and representation so if you have questions all you have to do is pick up the phone guys I'll be there 615 615- 367 0819, Monday morning, 615 367 0819, or Friday at drfriday.com. I really hope you guys are enjoying. Again, happy Father's Day. Cop, you later.